0: My name is Kat Corchado. I am a fellow Air Force veteran and host of the podcast, Sisters in Service. This podcast is where I found my passion for helping other veterans after my transition from the military over 22 years ago. My mission is to help veterans avoid the black hole known as transition, to help women veterans find their voice and discover their strengths as they enter civilian life. There is a new episode every Tuesday. I hope that you'll listen, you'll like, you'll share, you'll comment, and let me know what you'd like to hear on this podcast. Until then, I hope to see you again soon. Please stay safe, take care of each other, and it's never too late to start your impossible. Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Service. I am your host, Kat Corchado, and my guest today is Carrie Bishke. She is a pro athlete turned entrepreneur. She's the founder of her company Ready Set Mindful and host of the same host of the podcast Ready Set Mindful. Carrie, welcome to Sisters in Service. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So, for those of you that don't know, here's a little behind the scenes. I could not say this woman's last name.
1: I tripped over it twice. So,
0: third third time's
1: a charm. Yeah, to be fair, it is spelled very differently than it's pronounced. So,
0: I know. I'm just a stickler for pronouncing people's names. So, this was take three, y'all, just saying.
1: Anyway, (laughs) welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do this. So first and foremost, um, for my listeners, what is your connection to um, military?
1: Yeah, so my husband is active duty in the Air Force. He is in the, uh, yeah, go Air Force. He's in the SEER, um, you know, he's a, a SEER specialist. So SEER is the survival, evasion, resistance, and escape Um, So he's, you know, special operations and does a lot of work with um, um, lots of different branches of military. But, yeah, so that's my connection there. We got married in July. So now I'm officially a military spouse. Um, But congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Very excited.
0: So is he an instructor? Does he instruct others or he's actually well, I guess you have to be one in order to teach one. But, you know, does he teach others how to how to do all of that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's different, you know, there's different, um, flights for the SEER program. And so as you kind of work your way up, you go in these flights. And so initially when he was just a, you know, an airman staff Sergeant, he was in the flights going to the field, um, actually doing more of the, you know, boots on the ground. They take air crew and they teach them, you know, these survival skills as if, you know, they were to be, in a position where they need to, you know, um, evade and, and escape and learn how to survive. So they, they do that, um, for about a week with a lot of different air crew from all over the world, come over to do this course here in Spokane, Washington. Um, it's, it's the hub first for the SEER program. So that's what he did for, for a couple years. And now as he's moved up, he is about to put on tech. So tested now he will be a technical sergeant and he's doing more of personnel recovery now. So a little bit more, um, you know, special operations, like a little bit more, um, behind the scenes stuff. He's not, he's not able to tell me a whole lot about what he does now. Um, but he's not going to the field as, as much as he was and doing, um, a lot of that survival training per se so much. It's a a little bit more.
0: I think that's where my husband did survival training. I think he did. I don't so know, many not know. Winter come or something. Through. I don't know. I can't remember. I just remember he said it in Washington and yes. um, it sounds very James Bondish, you know, very, yeah. you know, yeah. I keep, I'm, I should have put some music in there, but that's, that's a, that's <laughs> a very cool job, you know, to cool do that. Job. Yeah. It's
1: not for the, not for the faint of heart I for bet. sure. My my husband has a lot of grit. He's, he's a warrior. He's, he's awesome. Um, and yeah, that, that program is, is just yeah. There's, there's a lot of cool stories that come with that. Like it's not for people who have, who are not mentally tough and mentally strong. And right. you know, and that course really like gives people just a, a little bit of a taste into what it would, what know, it would be like. Yeah. What their training, actually their training and pipeline actually looks like people get a taste of it. So have people who are going through the course, do that for a week or six days, and so they get just a little smidgen of a glimpse of like, oh, okay, great, that's You're what like, it is. That's enough. Awesome. That's enough. Me home. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Take me home now. Get me a, a blanket and a cup of coffee. Like I'm um, I'm out of am I bad? Please.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, for sure. So it's it's a cool job. It's a really yeah. cool job. Um, it sounds only like a cool a, job. A There's, um, I don't want to get the number right, but there's, or the number wrong, but there's, yeah, only a select few of them. It's a super small career field, but
0: yeah, my husband was in intelligence, so he said he had to go through all this survival training thing, and um, he tells me sometimes, oh yeah, you know, I had to do this, I eat bugs and doing. I was like.
1: You don't eat bugs. No, you didn't. Stop it. He's like, yeah. No, I did. You know, I was like,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: They have them kill rabbits and eat bugs. Yeah. And start their own fire. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Knowing just- how to get water, which plants are, you know, you can get yep. water, you know, I'm like, yeah, I would, I'm a tough person. I'm not that tough. Okay.
1: I'm just going to say, I'm
0: just going to put it out there. It's not for me.
1: Yeah. It'll take people out of their element. Right. Cause they're, they're, you know, you're trekking up mountains and like, there's so many physical and mental components to it. So even people that think that they kind of have a handle um, he tells me some stories of students and you know, officers and like a lot of people who are just really struggling through the course. So. Yeah.
0: we'll talk about being out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I know you were a division one and professional athlete, so tell us a little bit about that, what sport, you know, what kind of a badass were you? and uh, <laughs> you know, tell us a little behind the
1: story of that, sure, yeah, so. Before I met Austin, my husband, yeah, I was a you know Division I college volleyball player. I played at Eastern Washington University and then University of New Mexico in the Mountain West Conference. And then I played professionally overseas for nine seasons. So I played over there for quite a long time in Sweden, Spain, Canary Islands, the U.K., um, you know, all over the place for, for many years. So I, and I played volleyball. Um, that was, that was my sport, like volleyball wow. and basketball growing up, but then transitioned, got scholarships for volleyball. I was a little bit better at volleyball and, uh, yeah, it just took me to some really cool places and, um, you know, I'm super lucky. I got to be able to see the countries and that I, you know, I was able to go and see and meet a lot of cool people. And it was, Quite an adventure for you know for a long time, and yeah, and then I came back to Spokane. This was now five years ago. Came back to Spokane one Christmas, just to on a break from my contract in the Canary Islands, and I just came back to see my family for a few days and friends. And then, um, you know, I was meeting up with my friend for dinner, and then happened to you know I met my husband that night, and so we we started to to chat and connect and, you know, I was like, okay, there's something here. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to play or I'm, maybe I'll apply for a job in Spokane and just kind of see what happens. So it was right. super impulsive of me, but I ended up, I applied for one job, got the job, ended up staying here and kind of unintentionally retiring from, you know, from professional volleyball and then just um, you know, been with my husband ever since. And so it was a great decision, but, um, that's kind of what led to my transition, uh, out of, you know, indoor professional volleyball and now into this like entrepreneurial space and, um, you know, so yeah, it's been a a good ride.
0: You kind of glossed over Canary Islands. I mean, seriously, she's go, oh yeah, I came back from my contract Canary. And I was like, wait, wait, what, (laughs) what, <laughs> oh, with Canary Islands. Wow. That's
1: wow. What it, was that like? It was beautiful. Um, it was yeah, it was definitely a shock to the system to come from the Canary Islands. I was in Tenerife on that, you know, on that island and and playing and so having a great time and then came back to the Spokane winter in December. <laughs> like, what and is then, this crap? What's this white I stuff was, on the ground? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you know, forgot about the the, the four seasons over here. Oh man. So that was a, yeah, it was a trip. It was mm-hmm. it was really fun. Such, you know, such a different world over there. Um played with a lot of, you know, Brazilians and Spaniards and lots of teammates from all yeah. over the place and beautiful sunny weather. It was, it was really a great time. I met a lot of, a lot of great people over there and mm-hmm. it was only intended to be just a little break for my contract back in Spokane. And then it really turned and out look to what me. happened. You met, you long- met your f- future husband. So yeah, when you, it so, so it wasn't a forced
0: retirement, you just decided, I don't want to be in the Canary Islands only because you met your future but yeah. but you still continued in the United States and in, in Washington State, correct?
1: Yeah, right. So it was an unintentional, yeah, I just stayed here mm-hmm. and was like, hey, maybe I can, you know, just apply for this job, kind of see what happens with this relationship, because it feels it feels special. And you know, so just seeing what happens what what happens there and then yeah, just continuing to, um, play volleyball here in the States. I play a lot of beach now and I do, I run. So I do some races and marathons and triathlons now. And so continued that. The, so once an athlete, endeavors. always an athlete, right? Yeah. You just transition <laughs> into something else. I, you know, I do have one friend, she's an anomaly, but we played college together, college teammate, and she literally does not work out at all now. I'm like, I don't understand. So she's an anomaly, but Mm -hmm. everyone else that I've ever played with uh, all of my other athlete friends. Yeah. You just kind of transition something else. You know, you're like, what's this, what's this running thing?
0: Let me try this, you know? Yeah.
1: And there's all all these sports that you weren't really allowed to do. Like I was Mm -hmm. never allowed to I was in these beautiful countries like Spain and, you know, Finland and the Scandinavia, and and I was never allowed to ski or do anything other than volleyball. And so now i really, now I ski and I'm like, oh, what are these other sports like that I was too afraid of getting injured, you know, playing. Right. so So now I'm just, just finding my new, my new way. Where you fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I know that you are a licensed psychotherapist and a mental performance coach, and you work with athletes and high performers. So I get the athletes part. What's considered a high performer?
1: Yeah. A lot of military members are high performers, right? So they have these careers and these roles where they're expected to have really high mental performance and physical performance. So I work with a lot of, um, you know, veterans and active duty military who, the you know I include in that high performer, so other high performers could be you know entrepreneurs um people who have high stress high pressure jobs or positions or athletes um also are included in that as well, but yeah, a lot of a lot of military and then um executives who have high pressure positions um those are kind of what I include in the high performers. Now, I noticed that you
0: also use meditation. So when you are working one-on-one with an athlete or a high performer, is this something that you pull into how you
1: help them or does it depend
0: on the situation?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. So yeah, I'm really grounded in using meditation and breath work as a tool Um, for helping a lot of the athletes and a lot of the military members that I work with, because oftentimes, you know, when you think of someone who is, has this high pressure, um, you know, career or role, things are moving super fast, right. For them throughout the day. And there's a lot on your plate, a lot of expectations, um, you know, lots, lots to do lots of anxiety that can come with that. And so the meditation, and the breath work is really to allow that person to, take a step back and to really slow down and to create space between some of that anxiety, some of their thoughts, and then their, their responses. And so, um, and how their body responds. So yeah, in session, um, we'll, we'll do some breath work. I always, you know, prescribe if you will, breath work, um, twice a day, you know, sometimes more depending on what that person is kind of going through. And I just allow them to kind of, you know, to write down and to see what shifts, are happening in them and how, how it's working for them. They're noticing any changes, um, you know, any benefits from it. So breathwork is definitely something that I use. So we'll do that together in session so that they can kind of see what it looks like to breathe from your diaphragm and these different variations of the breathwork. And then the meditation I have, you know, on my podcast, I have a few meditations recorded that I've, released as episodes. Um, and then I'll also, I'll send them the, the podcast so that they can hear me do a guided meditation for them, for anxiety, for sleep, for performance, right. um, you know, right before competitions, things like that. So I have all these different meditations that I prescribe them depending on what's going on as well.
0: That's pretty cool. Do you um, work one-on-one? Do you work in groups or, and I'm assuming it's it's more one-on-one because, yeah. you know, you would, you know, you can't put like a basketball player and then someone who does a different sport because it's different. It's a different, mm-hmm.
1: or does it matter? I yeah. Does it matter? Yeah. With, so I'm a mental performance coach and a licensed psychotherapist. And so with coaching, I, I can work in, in a small group setting or, you know, do group coaching, things like that. I haven't moved into that model completely yet. I'm working on that. I have like a course now, and then I'm doing like a group coaching course that I will I will be working with with groups of, of athletes and groups of people. But right now I do, you know, with my therapy practice, I do it's one-on-one work primarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you deal um, with... with teams? I'm sorry. Go sorry. Ahead. Oh, with teams too. I forgot to mention like with the work that I do at Gonzaga university and with other universities, I will do like a group like guided meditation or visualization, um, for, for groups and teams and things like that.
0: Yeah. I do know, like, I'm going to say, where were you when I was an athlete? Cause <laughs> we, we didn't have those way back in the day, Ugh, but as an, as an athlete, we had to kind of rely on our own, you know, you have to calm yourself down. You know what I mean? And you know yes. we didn't know about breath work then, even though you might have been doing it, you just didn't have a name for it. Right. But I remember, you know, especially in not so much team sports, but I was also in track and field where you have to really just focus. And I remember some of my best performances was when in my head it got really, really quiet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you're, and I think Michael Jordan had said something like that's that's when you're in the zone. When it's just Mm. quiet and you don't hear anything, and I thought, you know, that's that's kind of cool to you know to realize that that's what I was doing back then. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm. How do you help? You know, nowadays it's, you know, athletes are doing really well, but then they get injured.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And is their mindset different coming back from an injury than before? Maybe when they were actually playing, I'm assuming it would be yes, but do you treat someone who is injured differently than someone who's just trying to be a better performer?
1: Right. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think, and going back to, I want to just kind of comment on what you, what you had said before about, you know, when you were an athlete needing to do so much of that, so, so much of your own lean lean on so many of your, your own tools. And I think Mm -hmm. that is absolutely the case. And it's so important. That's a lot in the work that I do. I want these athletes and these, these clients that I work with to be independent and self-sufficient and to not depend on me forever, but for me to like give them some tools to work on so that they, you know, can be, Um, you know, can stand on their own and can pull out these tools when they need to. Um, And one thing that is really different between now and then when you were an athlete or when I was even an athlete, like this social media, this accessibility to distraction and sensory overload, Um, and heightened anxiety like that. It was way easier for me to get into the, you know, to a a high performance zone without all of that extra stuff that's that's provoking anxiety and same for you, right? Like you're not checking your phone right before you race or doing different things. And so that's a big piece of the puzzle. I think now that a, a lot of the college athletes and student athletes that I work with, like that, that's a really big, for them that, that brings them a lot of anxiety, um, as the screens, but back to your point of, of what you, what you mentioned with the mindset there absolutely is a difference, um, you know, with an, an athlete who's going through an injury or retirement or transitioning out of their sport and into, you know, another area of their athletic journey. Like that's my sweet spot. That's where I love to work with people who are in transition. Cause I've and through the injuries and the surgeries I've been through transitioning from college to pro pro to retired retired to entrepreneur um to triathlete all of these different transitions and so there's so much I know the fear I know the anxiety I know the stress all of the questions that you're asking yourself when you're injured um if you're going to be able to come back stronger how long it's going to take if someone's going to take your spot you know um if if your recovery is going to be good enough and fast enough and all of these things. So yeah, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of doubt um, that comes with working with someone who's coming back from an injury and even transitioning, right? Like military um, as well, like coming back post post post-deployment, like all of these different transition pieces that are part of the puzzle. They're going to be able to like, are things with my family going to be the same? Like, am I going to be the same? Like I've experienced all of this, Heavy shit. Like, what do I do with that? Like, <laughs> <know>. There's, there's <laughs> let me so just many put this over pieces. here for now. <laughs> so I'll deal with it right. later. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces for, for sure. But that's, that's a lot of the work that I like to help people mm-hmm. kind of work with these transitions and kind of make it bite sized and micro. And what can we do today to get you? you know, a little bit out of your emotional brain and into your rational brain and Mm -hmm. slow things down a little bit when your anxiety is starting to ramp up and all these questions. What if I can't do this? And what -hmm. if this happens and blah, 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 and things are moving fast. I just constantly remind clients Mm -hmm. to, okay, we have to just really slow down throughout the day because it's our bodies get really activated and our emotional brain gets really activated. And And then you can't really perform. You start to shut down. You can't think, yeah. you can't perform. You have a really limited scope of what you're able to do and information you're able to process. So not great for communication, relationships, right. performance, none of that when you're tense and you can only have this much of a window, you know, a couple, you know, not, not so much of a window to to function at a well, high. Well, I think level. it's
0: also trusting that injury. You know, if it's a knee injury or foot injury, you know, is it going to yeah. get me through? And once you get that confidence, it gives you this kind of renewal. But it's mm-hmm. interesting to me being an athlete, I never thought of the transition period from athlete to non-athlete, although you're still athletic. You're just not at that high of a, a performance level. Sure. But also the transition from military to veteran, you know, it's kind of the same journey.
1: It seems like, you know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. You're, you're, you know, you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of a team. You're a part of a flight or a squadron or wing. And now all of a sudden you're just, you're, you're on your own. You don't have that, that tight knit of a community or that, um, you know, close proximity to people who were so supportive and in your network prior, if you're lucky enough to work with people who who support you. Um, we're really lucky in the SEER community where that's it's a really tight knit, you know, awesome support, support network. And so yeah, when my husband moves out of that at some point, right? Like this, it's this whole transition, um, you know, transition period that we want to work through to make sure that it doesn't just feel like such a drop-off because I think you can feel going, go from feeling really connected and really supported and really valued and a part of something, right. And to being isolated, feeling depressed, feeling disconnected. Those are the things that are definite, definite commonalities between, you know, athletes transitioning out of their sport and kind of doing something else. And then also, Um, you know, military as well. -hmm. Well, I do know that, you know, when, when
0: a family's in the military, the whole family's in the military. But when they come out of the military, that they're going through that whole transition period themselves. So I know you said that you have worked with active duty and veterans. In what ways do you help them? What do you help them with exactly? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I do work with, um, you know, a few active duty. I love working with military members because I, you know, I have that, that background being a spouse. And, um, I feel like that's, that's really helpful, um, to have that, that background for sure. So, you know, the, the things that I've seen military struggle with like PTSD, like post-deployment transitioning, um, those have been the biggest, the biggest issues. I was working with a client uh, not too long ago was having, a lot of a lot of different issues, PTSD, um, sleep, right? Like on a lot of different substances and lots going on there, just lots of moving pieces. So it's it's really um, you know, a combination of lots of different things. But I think that post deployment, like that's what I've seen. Um, primarily like in my practice that, you know, folks that are having trouble, like integrating, coming back, like having so much anxiety and stress and just feeling like they're not able to turn that off and they're not able to sleep. Um, you know, and so those have been some of the issues that I've really helped, mm-hmm. um, you know, helped those clients with, we talk, you know, I have a really holistic assessment, like in the beginning when I'm seeing new clients, like, how are you sleeping? What medications are you taking? Um, you know any history of suicidal ideation that I need to look out for? Um, any trauma, emotional trauma, sexual trauma, physical trauma? We talk about that so I can just get little bite-sized answers so to kind of build, you know, paint me like a picture puzzle pieces, bu- like puzzle yeah. pieces, and you then you put the puzzle exactly. pieces together and you know how to how to absolutely. help them absolutely, right? Um, and and that really it's really helpful for me. And it's really helpful for them. Sometimes when you're saying things out loud and you're like, Oh, okay. Like this kind of makes sense to me now that you've, you've pointed this out and I'm looking at all these different, different pieces of the puzzle. And so, you know, we get that assessment, um, get that, that trust and that rapport built in that, in that session. And then we're able to kind of focus on what that person's um, you know, goals are for, for the session. And then we have a, a streamlined you know, um, direction for, for what I'm able to, to really help with. But breath work is definitely always where I start because yes. anxiety is definitely the, the, the commonality, you know, I see, I have probably 30 clients in my practice right now and 28 of them are seeing me for anxiety, right? I have, uh, <laughs> you know, in situational, situational depression, yes. but anxiety is always there. It's always a piece of the puzzle because, mm-hmm in our culture, we're kind of wired for things to move fast and for, you know, we're competitive and we, you know, beat ourselves up for not doing enough. And so there's always this anxiety piece that's at play. And so the breath work really can be so beneficial for, for pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, I was, I was looking at your, your bio and as a licensed psychotherapist is what, is that a natural progression was that a natural progression from, for you from being an athlete or did you just kind of connect the two and say wow I can really help other athletes by going into this
1: yeah it was a long it was a long journey to kind of figuring out where I where I knew I wanted to be i had a, a whole i have a whole other masters in international development and refugee studies <laughs> Oh and so God. I, oh, she's one of those y'all. Life. Yeah. I'm a double major. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, my husband. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it sounds, it sounds cute and still you're until you're, yeah, you're still paying off the student yeah, loans for that. Right. And it's, really, it's really, really not that cute. Everyone, please, please do not get two <laughs> master's degrees almost three master's degree. It's just not, it's just not, not great. I highly discourage that. Um, but, but I do have this other master's in international development and refugee studies. And I thought I wanted to, you know, do this work and um, working in camps and working overseas. And cause I was over there for nine years and wanted to stay over there um, and do a lot of work in the UK. And so that was like a whole direction. And it just, Something just always felt like yeah, I was like, huh, there's still like this disconnect. There's still this piece that I can't really place. I wanted to work in refugee camps helping um kids connect, you know, connect with sport as like a vehicle for, you know, having an outlet. Yes. And so I was like, I knew that there was this sport piece, refugee piece, and this, you know, the the kids piece. And I was like, huh. So I was kind of just put playing, playing with those words and playing with those ideas. Um and then It wasn't until like a few years later, honestly, when I was, I was having some anxiety when I was playing over in, in Sweden, one of my contracts and I found breath work and meditation and just got really into it and was like, gosh, where was this in college? I would have been such a better athlete in college if I would have found this and found a way to harness my, my self-talk and my anxiety. And so I was like I want to do more with this like I think I really want to you know go into therapy and help people one on one and then I got kind of more more niche down into sports psychology and got my mm-hmm. masters in in sports psychology which is like where I feel like I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be bridging this gap between athletes and military mm-hmm. and um you know people who are living in this highly stressed state and you know, a mental health. There's a big, big gap. Still. Yeah.
0: I think so. it's interesting that, you know, breath work is so important. So as a Pilates instructor, you know, breathing is a big, big deal, you know, yeah, and, you know, we think if we're not paying for something that, you know, it, it's not going to help us and people kind of, you know, up oh, breathing. Yeah. What's the big deal, but yeah. it's, Huge. I, you know, I have clients that come in and, and I'll ask them, I'm like, okay, on a, you know, I, I usually say, Hey, how are you? And they're like, Oh, I'm fine. And I'm like, how on a scale of one to 10, you know, what's your energy level like? And they go, Oh, it's like a five. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. And so we work within that realm mm-hmm. of five. I don't want to go over it. And, Every time they'll afterwards, they go, I feel so much better. And, you know, thank you for all the exercise. And I said, it wasn't the exercising, it was the breathing that came along with it. Because when you're anxious, what do you do? You do this very shallow breathing thing and it doesn't help you at all. So breathing is very, very big. So for the people that are listening, what kind of clients would
1: be a good fit for your practice? Yeah, so I see a range of of athletes and of clients who are, you know, high school, I think my youngest client right now is 15, so I love working with High school age, you know, adolescence. And then my oldest client is probably 60, you know, 60 badass triathlete who's just <laughs> killing it and loving, yeah, just loving the performance optimization piece of, of what I have to offer. So there's lots of lots of different uh different age ranges there. But I love working with military, um, you know, active duty or veterans. Um, anyone who's in a transition period of their life, like either exiting out of one stage of their athletic journey or their career and into another and just navigating that transition. That's really where I thrive. Um, and working with anyone who has any anxiety, um, you know, surrounding those transitions and Mm -hmm. surrounding, you know, where they're at in their, in their journey. So that's, those are good fits for me. Um, you know, so lots of, lots of different folks that I see.
0: So I, I also know that you have a free weekend
1: warrior audit coaching session. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. Yeah. So I, I introduced that as a new part of my, uh, my podcast episodes. So I'm going to be working with, I've released a couple of them already. So coaching style episodes for around 30 minutes. So this is for anybody who is wanting some, free coaching around their transitions, navigating, you know, one, one stage of their life into, into the next. And they're having some stress and confusion around that, some anxiety maybe around that. So, um, yeah, I have on ready on the, you know, the weekend warrior audit, you can sign up for that. And then that will be released as a podcast episode. So nice. um, yeah, we just talk about your, where your challenges are, what your goals are. Um, and then we kind of Problem solve through some of that transition. So if you're cool with, you know, airing whatever you're struggling with, kind of out there, um, you know, I definitely encourage people to to reach out. I just uh, released one with um, with a former pro volleyball player turned wants to be entrepreneur now, and so we just did a cool episode um, the other day on that. So. Yeah, if people want to go and listen to that and you can have a taste of what what that kind of looks like if you're interested in doing that. Yeah. How often does your podcast come out? Yeah. So I have weekly episodes. So I have a guest episode and then I alternate that with a um solo episode or the weekend warrior audit now is kind of in the in the shuffle as well. So good mix for people. So guest and solo episodes.
0: Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to sign up for the weekend warrior, they want to be a guest on your podcast or they just want your services as a psychotherapist. How can people find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on social on Instagram and Facebook at ready set mindful R E A D Y S E T M I N D F U L and then uh, ready com. Um, And then you'll see a link for the weekend warrior audit at the top of the pod, at the top of the page. And so go ahead and just sign up for a session there and yeah, email, uh, Carrie K E R R I at ready, So pretty much everything is on the website, pretty accessible. Um, if you want to find a way to work together.
0: One last question. So yeah. when I talk to people about meditation, they always say things like, Oh, I can't meditate or they think they have to meditate for an hour or they'll say things like, well, I can't shut my brain off. Mm. Well, if, if you shut your brain off, may, you may not be breathing, <laughs> just saying. Right. So what words of encouragement or what kind of advice could you give someone who's maybe looking to implement meditation into their life? Is there, Are there some simple tips that they can use?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I actually have on my, I, I hear the same, the, the, you know, the same things that, that you do very similar things that you do. And I have on my website, actually like some of these myths and, you know, some, some of these objections that people have, and then what my answers are to those things for sure. But I think, you know, people have this idea of what breath work is or what meditation is. And sometimes we hear these words that can be really scary. Like retirement, right. Can be like a really, like you hear that and you're like, you know, it hits everyone in a I different like, way. Dun, 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 dun. It can be kind of scary. Right. And I yes. feel like meditation is kind of like that for people. People are like, oh, like, that's just not for me. Let's just not talk about that. Um, and so everyone has these constructs and these ideas that they've kind of built up in their brain and, um, and these justifications and excuses for not moving forward with that. And so, um, oftentimes this idea of meditation is so big and so daunting and so scary for people that they just don't even make room for, you know, or entertain the thought that it can look different, right? right. That it's not just one bald guy sitting in a robe, like <laughs> emptying his brain, right? Like for hours in, at it, a time, you yeah, know, <laughs> like in the Himalayas, like it looks, it looks so different. There's so many meditation styles. And so I always like to, you know, encourage people to start with the, with the breath work, right? Cause the breath work is like the lead in for meditation. So starting really small with the bite size intro to breath work. So, Hey, here's what like a four, eight looks like an inhale through your nose for four seconds, right? From your belly, nice, big exhale through your nose for eight seconds, nice and slow. Okay. And do a couple rounds of those. That's the four eight breath work. That's what we're going to start off with moments during your day when you're feeling like you're getting pretty activated, right? Like you're just going to do that four eight two times. And then we can migrate into the box breathing, which is like a, a next step up. Now they're like really kind of getting it integrated and feeling right. like it's a part of their routine. Then we can start with a five minute meditation, five minute guided meditation. I never, I never encourage anyone to do, um, you know, an, an unguided meditation from the start, right. Cause it can be really frustrating. Um, I for, still do a pe- guided one. I can't do one yeah. that's, you know, I need someone to say, and now we're yeah.
0: going to, you know, I, I, it's, I need
1: that. So helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super helpful, right? Like, and, and it's, and that's okay. It's totally, it's great to have the guided meditation. And so, yeah, starting super small, I would encourage anyone that is curious meditation, curious, like start, start really small, um, and make room for the idea that it can look different. It, it doesn't have to be this big, daunting, scary version of, absolutely. of everyone else's idea of what meditation is. It can look like a walk. It can look like a four, eight breath. It can look very different, um, depending on the situation. So absolutely. Just, yeah.
0: I think one of the best ones that I ever heard was um, someone had said that when you want to go and go into your relax mode you have this room it's your room you decorate it the way you want to but you actually see yourself walking up the stairs to this room where it's decorated the way you want to you see yourself sitting in the chair and you just mm-hmm. feel yourself breathing but you're seeing your room and the clearer mm-hmm. the room comes to you you know the colors the the very distinct, you know, being, being, be, being very exact in the type of furniture, the type of colors that yeah. in and of itself calms you down. Yeah. So I, it was, Absolutely. it was just very cool. And it's, you know, that's not the only one This that's one that works for me, but there are a lot yeah. of different ones out there. So Carrie, yeah. thank you so much for being a part of this. I truly yeah. appreciate you and your time. Of course. Thank you so
1: much for having me. Yeah, this was great.
0: i really enjoyed our conversation. Well, I really hope that you everyone who's listening found something within this conversation that might help you to maybe start thinking a little bit more about meditation and breath work and, and how just a little bit can help you so much. So to all my sisters in service, please stay safe, take care of each other until next time. And I'm going to add one more thing. It's never too late to start your impossible.